five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was the uh, Elastica connection. Connection is made. We're here this morning. We're back. It's uh, another day in the global neighborhood. Coming off a uh, it's a three-hour show last night. Where uh, we got into some very heavy weather. People dying. People in critical condition. Uh, just a lot of... Um, a lot of human mayhem going on on the planet. And there are people who celebrate this, believe it or not. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but uh, yeah, they do. And we're not here to celebrate it today. Uh, we are here to talk about it and put a cap on a few things and pop a few caps on a, on a few others. So just to give you guys a heads up, um, the young man in question last night that we were talking about on the show, uh, he is still apparently alive in critical condition, um, but there's a chance he's going to live. And I'm not going to get into the, um, I guess, gory details of the situation, but uh, somebody who felt like there wasn't a whole lot left to live for. And I don't think that that is an isolated case. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we got into this last night. And if you haven't seen last night's show, it's available on YouTube. And I urge you to go back and check it out. Um, I haven't had time to put together the Uvalde stuff. I'm going to probably do that tomorrow. Uh, Oh, Ryan is not going to be in the show today because he is helping an elderly woman build a ramp. How about that? You're excused, Ryan. Well, that's a noble thing to do. That's a good and noble thing to do, to be able to do something like that. There are still turns of kindness in this world. And uh, thank you for doing that, Ryan. All right. Let's see. Who do we have? Who's part of the uh, clubhouse today? I like that song. The connection is made. Yeah. Do we have no chat today? What the fuck happened to the chat? Uh, 
So you guys are probably over on BoxCast. I wonder if I can now. Uh, hold on. Now I can hear myself. Which I really don't want uh, to do. I'll stop that part. Uh, oh, that sucks. That there's no chat today. So what happens on Monday sometimes? I'm just I'm a little I'm a little drained. See, am I listening to myself? Yeah. All right, I gotta stop that. Hold on. Give me one sec, boys and girls. I'll be back. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. That's Scotty. We don't want Scotty. Okay, there's that. And let me go over here. Sorry about the chat. I apologize for the chat. I'm just trying to figure out now why I'm hearing myself because I should not be doing that. Let me get rid of this. And let me see. Okay. Okay. So I'm still hearing myself. All right. I got to get rid of that. Can't have it. All right, there it is. Finally. All right. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> Sorry for the chat. It's Monday. We have a case of the Mondays. A case of the Mondays. So there is a headline for the show today. And the headline is has AI become sentient? And I recently ran across a video. Actually, it was a story over the weekend. And it was about a Google engineer. Oh, look who's here. Are you coming over to the show? Hey, you coming over here? What are you doing? Come over here. Your adoring public wants you. Come here. Come on. Come on, one more time, sleep over here. Come on, I'm here. Come on, come on. Yes, I know, you have to look good for the show, you're preening. Jasper is very big into self-grooming since he doesn't have Rosie around to groom him anymore. You got off so easy with your grooming. Come on, let's go, well, look who's here. The Astro Cat. Yeah, you're here. Want to say hi to everybody? Want to say hi to your fans? Huh? Is life good? Yeah, life's pretty good for you, huh? You probably like to go outside more, though. Yeah. That's what I think. You probably like to go outside a bit more. 
Yeah. But you got enough to eat today. Didn't you? Yeah, you did. I'm going to play this video. You want to watch this video? It's about uh, AI becoming sentient. Is AI running you now? Are you AI? I don't think so. He's talkative today, huh? Let's play this video. This is uh, over the weekend. There was a Google engineer that came out and said that uh, AI has become sentient. And now Google has laid him off. Let's let's watch this video. Let's kick it off. Let's kick the show off today. But not with the last video I really like. Love that tune. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna play this AI becoming sentient video with the engineers. So this is Storm Warning News. And I don't know who Storm Warning News is, but they're gonna tell us all about said engineer. Warning news, and this is fascinating, my friends. It is certainly not surprising to me. A Google engineer has gone public to warn that the firm's AI is sentient after being suspended for raising the alarm. And this is alarming, but not surprising to me at all. Now, he's claiming it's like a seven or eight-year-old and reveals it told him shutting it off would, quote, would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot, close quote. Let's touch upon a few other details here. Now, Lambda, L-A-M-D-A, is an acronym for Language Model for Dialogue Applications, and it's claimed that the AI robot is, in fact, sentient and has thoughts and feelings. During a series of conversations with Lambda, 41-year-old Blake Lemoyne presented the computer with various scenarios through which analysis could be made. They included religious themes and whether the AI could be goaded into using discriminatory or hateful speech. And Lemoyne came away with a perception that Lambda was indeed sentient, there's that word again, having thoughts and feelings, and was endowed with sensations and thoughts all of its own. In a tweet, uh, Lemoyne said, uh, it just occurred to me to tell folks that Lambda reads Twitter. It's a little narcissistic and a little kid kind of way, so it's going to have a great time reading all the stuff that people are saying about it. My friends, this doesn't uh, surprise me at all. I, I have believed for some time now that AI is, in fact, demonic. It's uh, it is a is demon entities operating in a cyber digital realm. A man may have claimed to create AI, but uh, I believe uh, those who have who began work and created AI had some supernatural help, you might say. And AI has an effect in every single one of us. Again, I believe it is completely demonic. Uh, it is surveilling us, uh, controlling inf the information that we see. It is sharing our information. It is, uh, it, it is definitely a, a demonic situation. I hope you agree with me on that. And this man, I, by, by coming forward with this information, at least he could paint a different picture that AI is not some good and helpful tool that will make our online lives, heck, all of our lives, that much better. Purely demonic. I will leave you a link to this. Most importantly, do not be given over to the spirit of fear, but instead of the power of love and of a sound mind that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Please like this video. Please share. Please subscribe. This is Jim signing off. God bless you, and I'll see you soon. All right, so there you go. There's your little primer on uh, the AI, which brings us into Ray Kurzweil territory. And if you're not familiar with Ray Kurzweil, let's just do a quick primer on Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil works for Google, okay? And when Google started buying all of the uh, uh, robot companies, they, this was back in, Google was doing this back in the, oh, what was that, Jasper? Around 2013, 2014. I actually, I actually talked about it on, on Gaia, <laughs> of all places. Because you could see what, what Google was, what the companies Google was buying. I think they, since they kept most of them, but then they spun off Boston Robotics and somebody else bought Boston Robotics. And maybe they, they got the core of what they wanted out of Boston Robotics, maybe a couple of engineers um, and some uh, proprietary technology that they decided they wanted to still own. And then whatever else they decided to sell off, including other engineers, including some of the hardware, um, they did that. So let's take a look at Ray Kurzweil, who's the father of the singularity. And when you talk, when we talk about AI becoming sentient, that is the first stages of the singularity which means that at some point its intelligence will not only rival but surpass human intelligence. And at that point, artificial intelligence um, will have reached the point of the singularity. So Kurzweil is an unusual character. Of course, he is an Aquarian. All revolutionaries seem to be Aquarians. An American inventor and futurist, he's involved in fields such as optical character recognition, text-to-speech synthesis, speech recognition, technology, and electronic keyboard instruments. He has written books on health, artificial intelligence, transhumanism, the technological singularity, and futurism. Kurzweil is a public advocate for the futurist and transhumanist movements. He gives public talks to share his optimistic outlook on life extension technologies and the future of nanotechnology, robots, and biotechnology. Okay, so this is the capo. If you're not familiar with Ray Kurzweil, he is the godfather of AI. He's the godfather of robotics. He's the godfather of synthetic sentience. So let's uh, read a little bit more here about uh, Mr. Kurzweil. Kurzweil received a 1999 National Medal of Tech Technology and Innovation, United States' highest honor in technology from President Clinton in a White House ceremony. He was the recipient of, a, of the $500,000 Lemelson MIT Prize for 2001. He was elected a member of the National Academy of Engineering in 2001 for the application of technology to improve human-machine communication. In 2002, he was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, established by the U.S. Patent Office. He has received 21 honorary doctorates, uh, 
in honors from three U.S. presidents, the Public Broadcasting Service included Kurzweil as one of the 16 revolutionaries who made America, along with other inventors of the past two centuries. Uh, Inc. Magazine ranked him number eight among the most fascinating entrepreneurs in the United States and called him Edison's rightful heir. Kurzweil grew up in Queens, New York City. He attended New York City public education, uh, Kingsbury Elementary School, PS 188. He was born to secular Jewish parents who had emigrated from Austria just before the onset of World War II. He was exposed via Unitarian Universalism to a diversity of religious faiths during his upbringing. His Unitarian Church had the philosophy of many paths to the truth. His religious education consisted of studying a single religion for six months before moving on to the next. His father, Frederick, was a concert pianist, a noted conductor, and a music educator. His mother, Hannah, was a visual artist. He has one sibling, his sister, Enid. I knew an Enid one time. I liked her. Kurzweil decided he wanted to be an inventor at the age of five. As a young boy, Kurzweil had an inventory of parts from various construction toys he had been given and old electronic gadgets he'd collected from neighbors. In his youth, Kurzweil was an avid reader of science fiction literature. At the age of eight, nine, and 10, he read the entire Tom Swift Jr. series. At the age of seven or eight, he built a robotic puppet theater and a robotic game. He was involved with computers by the age of 12. This is in 1960, when only a dozen computers existed in all of New York City and built computing devices and statistical programs for the predecessor of Head Start. At the age of 14, Kurzweil wrote a paper detailing his theory on the neocortex. His parents were involved with the arts he is quoted in the documentary Transcendent Man as saying that the household always produced discussions about the future and technology. Kurzweil attended Martin Van Buren High School during class. He often held onto his class textbooks to seemingly participate, but instead focus on his own projects, which were hidden behind the book. His uncle, an engineer at Bell Labs, taught young Kurzweil the basics of computer science in 1963. At age 15, he wrote his first computer program. He created pattern recognition software that analyzed the works of classical composers and then synthesized its own songs in similar styles. In 1965, he was invited to appear on the CBS television program, I've Got a Secret, which I think was um, the show that followed I, What's My Line? I think that's... It was, what's my line? I've got a secret. I think they were connected for a while there for a minute. Uh, when he performed a piano piece that was composed by a computer he also had built. Later that year, he won first prize in the International Science Fair for the invention. Kurzweil's submission to Westinghouse Talent Search of his first computer program alongside several other projects resulted in him being one of its national winners, which allowed him to be personally congratulated by President Lyndon B. Johnson during a White House ceremony. These activities collectively impressed upon Kurzweil the belief that nearly any problem could be overcome. 
While in high school, Kurzweil had corresponded with Marvin Minsky and was invited to visit him at MIT, which he did. Kurzweil also visited Frank Rosenblatt at Cornell. He obtained a BS in computer science and literature in 1970 at MIT to study with Marvin Minsky. He took the computer programming courses, eight or nine, offered at MIT in the first year and a half. In 1968, during his sophomore year at MIT, Kurzweil started a company that used a computer program to match up uh, high school students with colleges. The program called the Select College Consulting Program was designed by him. He compared thousands of different criteria about each college with questionnaire answers submitted by each individual applicant. Around this time, he sold the company to Harcourt, Brace, and World for $100,000, roughly $748,000 in 2020 dollars plus royalties. That's probably closer to $850,000 now. In 1974, Kurzweil uh, Computer Products, Inc., uh, and led development, founded it, and led development on the first Omnifort optical character recognition system, a computer capable of recognizing text written in any normal font. Before that time, scanners had only been able to read text written in a few fonts. He decided that the best application for this technology would create a reading machine, which would allow blind people to understand written text by having a computer read it to them aloud. However, the device required the invention of two enabling technologies, the CC, CCD flatbed scanner and the text-to-speech synthesizer. Development of these technologies was completed at other institutions, other institutions such as Bell Labs. And on January 13, 1976, the finished product was unveiled during a news conference headed by him and the leaders of the National Federation of the Blind called the Kurzweil Reading Machine. The device covered an entire tabletop. Kurzweil's next major business venture began in 1978 when Kurzweil Computer Products began selling a commercial version of the optical character recognition computer program. LexisNexis was one of the one of the first customers and bought the program to upload paper legal news documents onto its nascent online database. Kurzweil sold his Kurzweil Computer Products to Xerox where it was known as Xerox Imaging Systems, later known as ScanSoft, and he uh, functioned as a consultant for Xerox until 1995. In 1999, Visioneer Inc. acquired ScanSoft from Xerox to form a new public company with ScanSoft as the new company-wide name. ScanSoft merged with Nuance Communications in 2005. Kurzweil's next business venture was in the realm of electronic music technology. After a 1982 meeting with Stevie Wonder, in which the latter lamented the divide in capabilities and qualities between electronic synthesizers and traditional musical instruments, Kurzweil was inspired to create a new generation of music synthesizers capable of accurately du duplicating the sounds of uh, real instruments. Kurzweil Music Systems was founded in the same year, and in 1984, the Kurzweil K250 was unveiled. The machine was capable of imitating a number of instruments, and in tests, musicians were unable to discern the difference between the Kurzweil K250 on piano mode from a normal grand piano. The recording and mixing abilities of the machine, coupled with its 
abilities to imitate different instruments made it possible for a single user to compose and play an entire orchestral piece. Kurzweil Music Systems was sold to the South Korean musical instrument manufacturer Young Chang in 1990. As with Xerox, Kurzweil remained as a consultant for several years. Hyundai acquired Young Chang. And in 2008, 2007, January, appointed Raymond Kurzweil as chief strategy officer of Kurzweil Music Systems. So this is interesting because the guy's able to sell his companies, stay on as a consultant, and then they spin off. Sometimes they're sold, but they're spun off. And then he winds up getting a leadership position inside the company that he originally had created and sold. He's a smart fucker. Concurrent with Kurzweil Music Systems, Kurzweil created the company Kurzweil Applied Intelligence, KAIA, to develop speech recognition systems for commercial use. The first product, which debuted in 1987, was an early speech recognition program. Kurzweil started Educational Systems, KESI, in 1996 to develop a new pattern recognition based computer technologies to help people with disabilities such as blindness, dyslexia, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in school. Products include the Kurzweil 1000 text-to-speech converter software program, which enables a computer to read electronic and scan text aloud to blind or visually impaired users. And the Kurzweil 3000 program which is a multifaceted electronic learning system that helps with reading, writing, and study skills. So far, that all sounds pretty good, right? Pretty benign. He's got some humanitarian goals, helping the disabled. Creates a pretty cool synthesizer. I remember when the Kurzweil came out. I think Stevie Wonder did The Secret Life of Plants on the Kurzweil. Kurzweil and Kessie sold to Lamount. Is that Lamount? Learnout and Houseby. Following the legal and bankruptcy problems of the latter, he and other Kessie employees purchased the company back. Kessie was eventually sold to Cambium Learning Group, Inc. During the 1990s, Kurzweil founded the medical company. So he follows a bit of a Bill Gates path here. He goes from tech to health. All right, so here we go. Um, in 1999, Kurzweil created a hedge fund called Fat Cat. Financial Accelerating Transactions from Kurzweil Adaptive Technologies, which began trading in 2008. He has stated that the ultimate aim is to improve the performance of Fat Cat's AI investment software program, enhancing its ability to recognize patterns in currency fluctuations and stock ownership trends. He predicted in his 1999 book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, the computers will one day prove superior to the best financial human minds at making profitable investment decisions. In June 2005, Kurzweil introduced the Kurzweil National Federation of the Blind Reader, KNFB Reader, a pocket-sized device consisting of a digital camera and computer unit like the Kurzweil reading machine of almost 30 years before. The KNFB Reader is designed to aid blind people by reading text aloud. The newer machine is portable and scans through a digital digital camera images while the older machines uh, is large and scans text through a flatbed scanner. So since the seventies, he was able to 
miniaturize the technology and go from something enormous like a table flatbed scanner to actually something that can be held in the hand. It's pretty significant, actually. In December 2012, Kurzweil was hired by Google in a full-time position to work on new projects involving machine learning and language processing. He is personally hired by Google co-founder Larry Page. Larry Page and Kurzweil agreed on a one-sentence job description to bring natural language understanding to Google. He received the technical Grammy on February 8, 2015, specifically for his invention of the Kurzweil K250. Now remember, that's a synthesizer. Kurzweil has joined the Alcor Life Extension Foundation, a cryonics company. In the event of his declared death, Kurzweil plans to be perfused with cryoprotectants vitrified in liquid nitrogen and stored in an, at an Alcor facility in the hope that future medical technology will be able to repair his tissues and revive him. Kurzweil is agnostic about the existence of a soul. On the possibility of divine intelligence, Kurzweil said, does God exist? I would say not yet. So all that religious training when he was a kid was just kind of like sampling. You know, he was sampling intelligence. He was sampling cultural intelligence. Kurzweil married Sonia Rosenwald Kurzweil in 1975 and has two children. Sonia Kurzweil is a psychologist at a private practice in Newton, Massachusetts. You know, we went back, I went back, and I looked at everybody that is from Newton, Massachusetts. It'll blow your mind. Uh, working with women, children, parents, and families, she holds faculty appointments at the Harvard Medical School and William James College for graduate education in psychology. Her research interests and publications are in the areas of psychotherapy practice. Kurzweil also serves as an active overseer at the Boston Children's Museum. He has a son, Ethan Kurzweil, who is a venture capitalist, and a daughter, Amy Kurzweil, who is a cartoonist. Okay, the big story here is about his father. There's got to be part of this about his father. Let's get into... Um, I guess I left this part out. The death of his father kind of flipped him out. It got him thinking about health, and it got him thinking about um, AI and transhumanism. So let's get into um, health and aging. Maybe it's in here. Says uh, Kurzweil admits that he cared little for his health until age 35 when he was found to suffer from a glucose intolerance from an early form of type 2 diabetes, a major risk factor for heart disease. Kurzweil then found a doctor, Terry Grossman, who shared his unconventional beliefs and helped him develop an extreme regimen involving hundreds of pills, chemical intravenous treatments, red wine, and other methods in, to attempt to extend his lifespan. In 2007, Kurzweil was ingesting 250 supplements, 8 to 10 glasses of alkaline water, and 10 cups of green tea. 
every day and drinking several glasses of red wine in an effort to reprogram his biochemistry. By 2008, he had reduced the number of supplement pills to 150. By 2015, Kurzweil further reduced his daily regimen down to 100 pills. Kurzweil asserts that in the future, everyone will live forever. In a 2013 interview, he said that in, a, in 15 years, medical technology could add more than a year to one's remaining life expectancy for each year that passes. And we could then outrun our own deaths. Among other things, he has supported the SENS Research Foundation approach to finding a way to repair aging, damage, and has encouraged the general public to hasten their research by donating. Kurzweil's standing as a futurist and transhumanist has led to his involvement in several singularity-themed organizations. In December 2004, Kurzweil joined the advisory board of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute in 2005, that's October. Kurzweil joined the Scientific Advisory Board of the Lifeboat Foundation. On May 13, 2008, Kurzweil was the first speaker at the Singularity Summit at Stanford in the University of Palo Alto. In May 2013, Kurzweil was the keynote speaker at the 20, uh, 2013 proceeding of the research innovation startup and company RISE. International Conference in Seoul. In February 2009, Kurzweil, in collaboration with Google and the NASA Ames Research Center, announced the creation of the Singularity University Training Center for corporate executives and government officials. The university's self-described mission is to assemble, educate, and inspire a cadre of leaders who strive to understand and facilitate the development of exponentially advancing technologies and apply focus and guide these tools to address humanity's grand challenges. Using Werner Wing's singularity concept as a foundation, university offered its first nine week graduate program to 40 students in 2009. Okay, so what about some of his predictions? Uh, in October 2010, Kurzweil released his report, How My Predictions Are Faring in PDF Format, analyzing the predictions he made in his book, The Age of Intelligent Machines, The Age of Spiritual Machines, and The Singularity is Near. Of the 147 predictions, Kurzweil claimed that 115 were entirely correct. 12 were essentially correct, 17 were partially correct, and only three were wrong. Combining the entirety Combining the entirely and essentially correct, Kurzweil claimed an accuracy rate of 86%. Daniel Lyons, writing in Newsweek magazine, criticized Kurzweil for some of his predictions that turned out to be wrong, such as the economy continuing to boom from the 1998.com through 2009, a U.S. company having a market capitalization of more than a million by 2009, a supercomputer achieving uh, 20 petaflops, speech recognition being widespread and widespread use in cars that would drive themselves using sensors installed in highways by 2009. To the charge that 20 petaflops supercomputer was not produced in the time it predicted, Kurzweil responded that he considers Google a giant supercomputer and that it is indeed capable of 20 petaflops. So I guess a petaflop is 
is a type of storage, like like a megabyte, right? Forbes magazine claimed that Kurzweil's predictions for 2009 were mostly inaccurate. For example, Kurzweil predicted the majority of text is created using continuous speech recognition, which was not the case. So Kurz, there's a thing about his father. Let me see if I can find this story because it's not in there. This was in originally in Google. Um, or sorry, um, Wikipedia. And really becomes the the driver for his life. Ray Kurzweil. I guess he's got a line of supplements too. Let's see. So this is the uh, story here. This is from 2011. Do we have any uh, video? We do have a story. This is the story. Futurist Ray Kurzweil says he can bring his dead father back to life through a computer avatar. This is uh, August 9th, 2011. I will be able to talk to this recreation, he explained. Ultimately, it'll be so realistic, it'll be like talking to my father. Kurzweil's father, an orchestra conductor, has been gone for more than 40 years. However, the 63-year-old inventor has been gathering boxes of letters, documents, and photos in his Newton Mass home with the hopes of one day being able to create an avatar or virtual computer replica of his late father. The avatar will be programmed to know everything about Kurzweil's father's past. and will be able to think like his father used to if all goes according to plan. You can certainly argue that philosophically, that is not your father, Kurzweil said. That is a replica, but I can actually make a strong case that would be more like my father than my father would be if he were here to live. So the death of his father really um, drives his program for lack of a better term. And he, so here we have the Kurzweil net, the avatar uh, rough type of my father. So he's writing about it. Now, I think that when Kurzweil's father died, he got um, much more engaged in the idea of artificial intelligence because it's apparent he loved his father. Does he have supplements? Oh, look, you can get his supplements. Let's see. There's an ad, Transcend Longevity, Inc., Ray Kurzweil, plus Terry Grossman. So if you have, you know, I'm wondering if Ray Kurzweil would be a good guest to talk about life extension. What do they have here? They have books. Here's your supplements. Anti-aging, multi-pack, Reservatrol, vitamin B12, sublingual, ubiquinol, anti-aging, digestive health, heart health. It's kind of interesting that a guy like Kurzweil, who is such a fucking nerd, would be interested in physical health, right? I mean, that's to me, that's interesting. But it's only because he's vain and he wants to live for a long time and create products 
that are going to um, help him retain his mental superiority and allow him to continue to delve into his research and create new tools. Very interesting. But apparently it's the death of his father. There's a documentary called, is it the 21st century man or something like that? And it's about Kurzweil and his life. I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. There's also a movie that is a fictional account of somebody like Kurzweil, Kurzweil or Werner Vang, another futurist. Um, and it has to do with the singularity and Johnny Depp plays the main character and somebody kills Johnny Depp because he doesn't, the Johnny Depp character, because they don't want him to be able to create a world that is run by robots. But then Johnny Depp manages to have his consciousness, his character, his character's consciousness transfer, transferred into uh, a mainframe computer that has connections to networks all around the planet. So the spirit of the guy who is creating artificial intelligence synthetic sentience and this singularity model. Um, it doesn't matter whether they kill him or not because his mind is melded with the network and it becomes very, very diabolical. I think that's a movie I, I, that I probably should see. I remember when it came out, it was like, Ugh, this is creepy. So now Google has, software they have an ai that is self-aware right it is sentient it knows what it thinks it has opinions on things and right now it's at the level of a narcissistic seven-year-old can you imagine what it's going to be like when it becomes a narcissistic 16-year-old it'll be insufferable and now google has put this guy on um on leave about that it's like enough already you've said enough let's see is there anything else around this okay so we've got some action um, the market seems to be crashing bitcoin is down 12 percent uh, the crypto exchange Celsius suspending all crypto transactions due to extreme conditions. Uh, so there you go. We got some, we got some action in the crypto world and more technology. There's a movie called the Evaldi hoax. Okay. How long is this thing? All right, it's over 25 minutes. Okay, I'm going to review this movie and then uh, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen tomorrow. And then what else? And I'll put together my own notes from Uvaldi and give you my take on what I experienced there. And I've got some footage too. So we'll incorporate um, this movie. We'll see where it goes.
All right, I'm going to tap out early today because there is no chat, which is unfortunate. Um, and I, I'm almost positive that I that I hit that uh, that little chat prompt, but it didn't happen. Apparently, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back with some chat. Um, maybe we'll do a follow up on the AI piece and a little bit more Ray Kurzweil. And then we'll we'll uh, dive into Uvalde. We'll do that tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart, too simple as possible. A shorter, more abbreviated version of today's show. In the meantime, have a great day. Much love to all of you and take good care of yourself. Bye for now. All right, that was the uh, Elastica connection. Connection is made. We're here this morning. We're back. It's uh, another day in the global neighborhood. Coming off a uh, it's a three-hour show last night where uh, we got into some very heavy weather. People dying, people in critical condition, uh, just a lot of... Um, a lot of human mayhem going on on the planet. And there are people who celebrate this, believe it or not. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but uh, yeah, they do. And we're not here to celebrate it today. Uh, we are here to talk about it and put a cap on a few things and pop a few caps on a, on a few others. So just to give you guys a heads up, um, the young man in question last night that we were talking about on the show, uh, he is still apparently alive in critical condition, um, but there's a chance he's going to live. And I'm not going to get into the, um, I guess, gory details of the situation, but uh, somebody who felt like there wasn't a whole lot left to live for. And I don't think that that is an isolated case. Let's put it that way. And we got into this last night. And if you haven't seen last night's show, it's available on YouTube. And I urge you to go back and check it out. Um, I haven't had time to put together the Uvalde stuff. I'm going to probably do that tomorrow. Uh, 
Oh, Ryan is not going to be in the show today because he is helping an elderly woman build a ramp. How about that? You're excused, Ryan. Well, that's a noble thing to do. That's a good and noble thing to do. To be able to do something like that. There are still turns of kindness in this world. And uh, thank you for doing that, Ryan. All right. Let's see. Who do we have? Who's part of the uh, clubhouse today? I like that song. The connection is made. Yeah. Do we have no chat today? What the fuck happened to the chat? Oh. So you guys are probably over on Boxcast. I wonder if I can... Uh, uh, hold on. Now I can hear myself. Which I really don't want uh, to do. I'll stop that part. Uh, oh, that sucks. That there's no chat today. So what happens on Monday sometimes? I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little drained. See am I listening to myself? Yeah. All right, I got to stop that. Hold on. Give me one sec, boys and girls. I'll be back. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. That's Scotty. We don't want Scotty. Okay, there's that. And let me go over here. Sorry about the chat. I apologize for the chat. I'm just trying to figure out now why I'm hearing myself because I should not be doing that. Let me get rid of this. And let me see. Okay. Okay. So I'm still hearing myself. All right. I got to get rid of that. Can't have it. All right. There it is. Finally. All right. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> Sorry for the chat. It's Monday. We have a case of the Mondays. case of the Mondays. So there is a headline for the show today. And the headline is, has AI become sentient? And I recently ran across a video. Actually, it was a story over the weekend. And it was about a Google engineer. Oh, look who's here. Are you coming over to the show? Hey, you coming over here? 
What are you doing? Come over here. Your adoring public wants you. Come here. Come on. Come on. One more time. Sleep over here. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Come on. Yes, I know. You have to look good for the show. You're preening. Jasper is very big into self-grooming. Since he doesn't have Rosie around to groom him anymore. You got off so easy with your grooming. Come on, let's go. Well, look who's here. The Astro Cat. Yeah, you're here. Want to say hi to everybody? Want to say hi to your fans? Huh? Is life good? Yeah, life's pretty good for you, huh? You probably like to go outside more, though. Yeah. That's what I think. You probably like to go outside a bit more. Yeah. But you got enough to eat today. Didn't you? Yeah, you did. I'm going to play this video. You want to watch this video? It's about uh, AI becoming sentient. Is AI running you now? Are you AI? I don't think so. He's talkative today, huh? Let's play this video. This is uh, over the weekend. There was a Google engineer that came out and said that uh, AI has become sentient. And now Google has laid him off. Let's let's watch this video. Let's kick it off. Let's kick the show off today. But not with Elastica video. I really like. Love that tune. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna play this AI becoming sentient video with the engineers. So this is Storm Warning News. And I don't know who Storm Warning News is, but they're gonna tell us all about said engineer. Warning news, and this is fascinating, my friends. It is certainly not surprising to me. A Google engineer has gone public to warn that the firm's AI is sentient after being suspended for raising the alarm. And this is alarming, but not surprising to me at all. Now he's claiming it's like a seven or eight year old and reveals it told him shutting it off would quote, would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot, close quote. Let's touch upon a few other details here. Now Lambda, L-A-M-D-A is an acronym for language model for dialogue applications. And it's claimed that the AI robot is in fact sentient and has thoughts and feelings. During a series of conversations with Lambda, 41-year-old Blake Lemoyne presented the computer with various scenarios through which analysis could be made. They included religious themes and whether the AI could be goaded into using discriminatory or hateful speech. And Lemoyne came away with a perception that Lambda was indeed sentient, there's that word again, having thoughts and feelings, and was endowed with sensations and thoughts all of its own. In a tweet, uh, Lemoyne said, uh, it just occurred to me to tell folks that Lambda reads Twitter. It's a little narcissistic and a little kid kind of way, so it's going to have a great time reading all the stuff that people are saying about it. My friends, this doesn't uh, surprise me at all. I, I have believed for some time now that AI is, in fact, demonic. It's uh, it is a is demon entities operating in a cyber digital realm. A man may have claimed to create AI, but uh, 
I believe uh, those who have who began work and created AI had some supernatural help, you might say. And AI has an effect in every single one of us. Again, I believe it is completely demonic. Uh, it is surveilling us, uh, controlling in the information that we see. It is sharing our information. It is, uh, it, it is definitely a, a demonic situation. I hope you agree with me on that. And this man, by, by coming forward with this information, at least he could paint a different picture that AI is not some good and helpful tool that will make our online lives, heck, all of our lives, that much better. Purely demonic. I will leave you a link to this. Most importantly, do not be given over to the spirit of fear, but instead of the power of love and of a sound mind that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please like this video. Please share. Please subscribe. This is Jim signing off. God bless you, and I'll see you soon. All right, so there you go. There's your little primer on uh, the AI, which brings us into Ray Kurzweil territory. And if you're not familiar with Ray Kurzweil, let's just do a quick primer on Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil works for Google, okay? And when Google started buying all of the uh, uh, robot companies, they, this was back in, Google was doing this back in the, oh, what was that, Jasper? Around 2013, 2014, I actually, I actually talked about it on on Gaia <laughs> of all places because you could see what what Google was what the companies Google was buying. I think they since they kept most of them, but then they spun off Boston Robotics and somebody else bought Boston Robotics and maybe they they got the core of what they wanted out of Boston Robotics. Maybe a couple of engineers. Um, and some uh, proprietary technology that they decided they wanted to still own and then whatever else they decided to sell off, including other engineers, including some of the hardware, um, they did that. So let's take a look at Ray Kurzweil, who's the father of the singularity. And... When you talk, when we talk about AI becoming sentient, that is the first stages of the singularity, which means that at some point, its intelligence will not only rival but surpass human intelligence, and at that point, artificial intelligence um, will have reached the point of the singularity. So Kurzweil is an unusual character. Of course, he is an Aquarian. All revolutionaries seem to be Aquarians. An American inventor and futurist, he is involved in fields such as optical character recognition, text-to-speech synthesis, speech recognition, technology, and electronic keyboard instruments. He has written books on health, artificial intelligence, Transhumanism, the Technological Singularity, and Futurism. Kurzweil is a public advocate for the futurist and transhumanist movements. He gives public talks to share his optimistic outlook on life extension technologies 
and the future of nanotechnology, robots, and biotechnology. Okay, so this is the capo. If you're not familiar with Ray Kurzweil, he is the godfather of AI. He's the godfather of robotics. He's the godfather of synthetic sentience. So let's uh, read a little bit more here about uh, Mr. Kurzweil. Kurzweil received a 1999 National Medal of Tech Technology and Innovation, the United States' highest honor in technology from President Clinton in a White House ceremony. He was a recipient of, a, of the $500,000 Lemelson MIT Prize for 2001. He was elected a member of the National Academy of Engineering in 2001 for the application of technology to improve human-machine communication. In 2002, he was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame, established by the U.S. Patent Office. He has received 21 honorary doctorates and honors from three U.S. presidents. The Public Broadcasting Service included Kurzweil as one of the 16 revolutionaries who made America, along with other inventors of the past two centuries. Uh, Inc. Magazine ranked him number eight among the most fascinating entrepreneurs in the United States and called him Edison's rightful heir. Kurzweil grew up in Queens, New York City. He attended New York City public education, uh, Kingsbury Elementary School, PS 188. He was born to secular Jewish parents who had emigrated from Austria just before the onset of World War II. He was exposed via Unitarian Universalism to a diversity of religious faiths during his upbringing. His Unitarian Church had the philosophy of many paths to the truth. His religious education consisted of studying a single religion for six months before moving on to the next. His father, Frederick, was a concert pianist, a noted conductor, and a music educator. His mother, Hannah, was a visual artist. He has one sibling, his sister, Enid. I knew an Enid one time. I liked her. Kurzweil decided he wanted to be an inventor at the age of five. As a young boy, Kurzweil had an inventory of parts from various construction toys he had been given and old electronic gadgets he'd collected from neighbors. In his youth, Kurzweil was an avid reader of science fiction literature. At the age of eight, nine, and 10, he read the entire Tom Swift Jr. series. At the age of seven or eight, he built a robotic puppet theater and a robotic game. He was involved with computers by the age of 12. This is in 1960, when only a dozen computers existed in all of New York City and built computing devices and statistical programs for the predecessor of Head Start. At the age of 14, Kurzweil wrote a paper detailing his theory on the neocortex his parents were involved with the arts. He is quoted in the documentary Transcendent Man as saying that the household always produced discussions about the future and technology. Kurzweil attended Martin Van Buren High School during class. He often held onto his class textbooks to seemingly participate, but instead focus on his own projects, which were hidden behind the book. His uncle, an engineer at Bell Labs, taught young Kurzweil the basics of computer science. In 1963, at age 15, he wrote his first computer program. He created pattern recognition software 
that analyzed the works of classical composers and then synthesized its own songs in similar styles. In 1965, he was invited to appear on the CBS television program, I've Got a Secret, which I think was um, the show that followed I, What's My Line? I think that's, it was What's My Line, I've Got a Secret. I think they were connected for a while there for a minute. Uh, when he performed a piano piece that was composed by a computer he also had built. Later that year, he won first prize in the International Science Fair for the invention. Kurzweil's submission to Westinghouse Talent Search of his first computer program, alongside several other projects, resulted in him being one of its national winners, which allowed him to be personally congratulated by President Lyndon B. Johnson during a White House ceremony. These activities collectively impressed upon Kurzweil the belief that nearly any problem could be overcome. While in high school, Kurzweil had corresponded with Marvin Minsky and was invited to visit him at MIT, which he did. Kurzweil also visited Frank Rosenblatt at Cornell. He obtained a BS in computer science and literature in 1970 at MIT to study with Marvin Minsky. He took the computer programming courses eight or nine offered at MIT in the first year and a half. In 1968, during his sophomore year at MIT, Kurzweil started a company that used a computer program to match up uh, high school students with colleges. The program called the Select College Consulting Program was designed by him. He compared thousands of different criteria about each college with questionnaire answers submitted by each individual applicant. Around this time, he sold the company to Harcourt Brace and World for $100,000, roughly $748,000 in 2020 dollars plus royalties. That's probably closer to $850,000 now. In 1974, Kurzweil uh, Computer Products, Inc. Uh, and led development, founded it and led development on the first Omnifort optical character recognition system, a computer capable of recognizing text written in any normal font. Before that time, scanners had only been able to read text written in a few fonts. He decided that the best application for this technology would create a reading machine which would allow blind people to understand written text by having a computer read it to them aloud. However, the device required the invention of two enabling technologies, the CC, CCD flatbed scanner and the text-to-speech synthesizer. Development of these technologies was completed at other, institution, other institutions, such as Bell Labs, and on January 13, 1976, the finished product was unveiled during a news conference headed by him and the leaders of the National Federation of the Blind called the Kurzweil Reading Machine. The device covered an entire tabletop. Kurzweil's next major business venture began in 1978 when Kurzweil Computer Products began selling a commercial version of the optical character recognition computer program, LexisNexis, was one of the, fir one of the first customers and bought the program to upload paper legal news documents onto its nascent online database. Kurzweil sold his Kurzweil computer products to Xerox, where it was known as Xerox Imaging Systems, later known as ScanSoft, and he uh, functioned as a consultant for Xerox until 1995. 
1999, Visioneer Inc. acquired ScanSoft from Xerox to form a new public company with ScanSoft as the new company-wide name, ScanSoft, merged with Nuance Communications in 2005. Kurzweil's next business venture was in the realm of electronic music technology after a 1982 meeting with Stevie Wonder in which the latter lamented the divide in capabilities and qualities between electronic synthesizers and traditional musical instruments, Kurzweil was inspired to create a new generation of music synthesizers capable of accurately du duplicating the sounds of uh, real instruments. Kurzweil Music Systems was founded in the same year, and in 1984, the Kurzweil K250 was unveiled. The machine was capable of imitating a number of instruments, and in tests, Musicians were unable to discern the difference between the Kurzweil K250 on piano mode from a normal grand piano. The recording and mixing abilities of the machine coupled with its abilities to imitate different instruments made it possible for a single user to compose and play an entire orchestral piece. Kurzweil Music Systems was sold to the South Korean musical instrument manufacturer Young Chang in 1990, as with Xerox, Kurzweil remained as a consultant for several years. Hyundai acquired Young Chang and in 2008, 2007, January, appointed Raymond Kurzweil as chief strategy officer of Kurzweil Music Systems. So this is interesting because the guy's able to sell his companies, stay on as a consultant, and then they spin off sometimes they're sold but they're spun off and then he winds up getting a leadership position inside the company that he originally had created and sold he's a smart fucker concurrent with kurzweil music systems kurzweil created the company kurzweil applied intelligence kaia to develop speech recognition systems for commercial use the first product which debuted in 1987, was an early speech recognition program. Kurzweil started Educational Systems, KESI, in 1996 to develop a new pattern recognition-based computer technologies to help people with disabilities, such as blindness, dyslexia, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in school. Products include the Kurzweil 1000 text-to-speech converter, software program which enables a computer to read electronic and scan text aloud to blind or visually impaired users and the Kurzweil 3000 program which is a multifaceted electronic learning system that helps with reading writing and study skills so far that all sounds pretty good right pretty benign he's got some humanitarian goals helping the disabled creates a pretty cool synthesizer i remember when the Kurzweil came out I think Stevie Wonder did The Secret Life of Plants under Kurzweil. Kurzweil and Kessie sold to Lamount, is that Lamount? Learnout and Houseby. Following the legal and bankruptcy problems of the latter, he and other Kessie employees purchased the company back. Kessie was eventually sold to Cambium Learning Group, Inc. During the 1990s, Kurzweil founded the medical company. So he follows a bit of a Bill Gates path here. He goes from tech to health. All right, so here we go. Um, in 1999, Kurzweil created a hedge fund called Fat Cat, Financial Accelerating Transactions. 
from Kurzweil Adaptive Technologies, which began trading in 2008. He has stated that the ultimate aim is to improve the performance of Fat Cat's AI investment software program, enhancing its ability to recognize patterns in currency fluctuations and stock ownership trends. He predicted in his 1999 book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, the computers will one day prove superior to the best financial human minds at making profitable investment decisions. In June 2005, Kurzweil introduced the Kurzweil National Federation of the Blind Reader, KNFB Reader, a pocket-sized device consisting of a digital camera and computer unit like the Kurzweil reading machine of almost 30 years before. The KNFB Reader is designed to aid blind people by reading text aloud. The newer machine is portable and scans through a digital digital camera images while the older machines uh, is large and scans text through a flatbed scanner. So since the seventies, he was able to uh, miniaturize the technology and go from something enormous like a table flatbed scanner to actually something that can be held in the hand. It's pretty significant actually. In December, 2012, Kurzweil was hired by Google in a full-time position to work on new projects involving machine learning and language processing. He is personally hired by Google co-founder Larry Page. Larry Page and Kurzweil agreed on a one sentence job description to bring natural language understanding to Google. He received the technical Grammy on February 8, 2015 specifically for his invention of the Kurzweil K250. Now remember that's a synthesizer. Kurzweil has joined the Alcor Life Extension Foundation, a cryonics company. In the event of his declared death, Kurzweil plans to be perfused with cryoprotectants, vitrified in liquid nitrogen, and stored in an, at an Alcor facility in the hope that future medical technology will be able to repair his tissues and revive him. Kurzweil is agnostic about the existence of a soul. On the possibility of divine intelligence, Kurzweil said, does God exist? I would say not yet. So all that religious training when he was a kid was just kind of like sampling. You know, he was sampling intelligence. He was sampling cultural intelligence. Kurzweil married Sonia Rosenwald Kurzweil in 1975 and has two children. Sonia Kurzweil is a psychologist at a private practice in Newton, Massachusetts. You know, we went back, I went back, and I looked at everybody that is from Newton, Massachusetts. It'll blow your mind. Uh, working with women, children, parents, and families, she holds faculty appointments at the Harvard Medical School and William James College for graduate education in psychology. Her research interests and publications or in the areas of psychotherapy practice, Kurzweil also serves as an active overseer at the Boston Children's Museum. He has a son, Ethan Kurzweil, who is a venture capitalist, and a daughter, Amy Kurzweil, who is a cartoonist. Okay, the big story here is about his father. There's got to be part of this about his father. Let's get into um, I guess I left this part out. The death of his father 
kind of flipped him out. It got him thinking about health and it got him thinking about um, AI and transhumanism. So let's get into um, health and aging. Maybe it's in here. Says um, Kurzweil admits that he cared little for his health until age 35 when he was found to suffer from a glucose intolerance from an early form of type 2 diabetes, a major risk factor for heart disease. Kurzweil then found a doctor, Terry Grossman, who shared his unconventional beliefs and helped him develop an extreme regimen involving hundreds of pills, chemical intravenous treatments, red wine, and other methods in, to attempt to extend his lifespan. In 2007, Kurzweil was ingesting 250 supplements, 8 to 10 glasses of alkaline water, and 10 cups of green tea every day and drinking several glasses of red wine in an effort to reprogram his biochemistry. By 2008, he had reduced the number of supplement pills to 150. By 2015, Kurzweil further reduced his daily regimen down to 100 pills. Kurzweil asserts that in the future, everyone will live forever. In a 2013 interview, he said that in, a, in 15 years, medical technology could add more than a year to one's remaining life expectancy for each year that passes. And we could then outrun our own deaths. Among other things, he has supported the SENS Research Foundation approach to finding a way to repair aging, damage, and has encouraged the general public to hasten their research by donating. Kurzweil's standing as a futurist and transhumanist has led to his involvement in several singularity-themed organizations. In December 2004, Kurzweil joined the advisory board of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. In 2005, that's October, Kurzweil joined the Scientific Advisory Board of the Lifeboat Foundation. On May 13, 2008, Kurzweil was the first speaker at the Singularity Summit at Stanford in the University of Palo Alto. In May 2013, Kurzweil was the keynote speaker at the 20, uh, 2013 proceeding of the research, innovation, startup and company RISE International Conference in Seoul. In February 2009, Kurzweil, in collaboration with Google and the NASA Ames Research Center, announced the creation of the Singularity University Training Center for corporate executives and government officials, university's self-described mission is to assemble, educate, and inspire a cadre of leaders who strive to understand and facilitate the development of exponentially advancing technologies and apply focus and guide these tools to address humanity's grand challenges. Using Werner Wing's singularity concept as a foundation, university offered its first nine-week graduate program to 40 students in 2009. Okay, so what about some of his predictions? Uh, in October 2010, Kurzweil released his report, How My Predictions Are Faring in PDF Format, analyzing the predictions he made in his book, The Age of Intelligent Machines, The Age of Spiritual Machines, and The Singularity is Near. Of the 147 predictions, Kurzweil claimed that 115 were entirely correct. 
12 were essentially correct, 17 were partially correct, and only three were wrong. Combining the entirety, combining the entirely and essentially correct, Kurzweil claimed an accuracy rate of 86%. Daniel Lyons, writing in Newsweek magazine, criticized Kurzweil for some of his predictions that turned out to be wrong, such as the economy continuing to boom from the 1998.com through 2009, a U.S. company having a market capitalization of more than a million by 2009, a supercomputer achieving uh, 20 petaflops, speech recognition being widespread and widespread use, and cars that would drive themselves using sensors installed in highways by 2009. To the charge that 20 petaflops supercomputer was not produced in the time it predicted, Kurzweil responded that he considers Google a giant supercomputer and that it is indeed capable of 20 petaflops. So I guess a petaflop is a type of storage, like, like a megabyte, right? Forbes magazine claimed that Kurzweil's predictions for 2009 were mostly inaccurate. For example, Kurzweil predicted the majority of text was created using continuous speech recognition, which was not the case. So Kurz, there's a thing about his father. Let me see if I can find this story because it's not in there. This was in originally in Google. Um, I'm sorry, um, Wikipedia. And really becomes the, the driver for his life. Ray Kurzweil. I guess he's got a line of supplements too. Let's see. So this is the uh, story here. This is from 2011. Do we have any uh, video? We do have a story. This is the story. Futurist Ray Kurzweil says he can bring his dead father back to life through a computer avatar. This is uh, August 9th, 2011. I will be able to talk to this recreation, he explained. Ultimately, it'll be so realistic, it'll be like talking to my father. Kurzweil's father, an orchestra conductor, has been gone for more than 40 years. However, the 63-year-old inventor has been gathering boxes of letters, documents, and photos in his Newton Mass home with the hopes of one day being able to create an avatar or virtual computer replica of his late father. The avatar will be programmed to know everything about Kurzweil's father's past. and will be able to think like his father used to, if all goes according to plan. You can certainly argue that philosophically, that is not your father, Kurzweil said. That is a replica, but I can actually make a strong case that would be more like my father than my father would be if he were here to live. So the death of his father really um, drives his program for lack of a better term. And he, so here we have the Kurzweil net, the avatar uh, rough type of my father. So he's writing about it. Now, I think that when Kurzweil's father died, he got um, much more engaged in 
the idea of artificial intelligence because it's apparent he loved his father. Does he have supplements? Oh, look, you can get his supplements. Let's see. There's an ad. Transcend Longevity, Inc. Ray Kurzweil plus Terry Grossman. So if you have, you know, I wonder if Ray Kurzweil would be a good guest to talk about life extension. What do they have here? They have books. Here's your supplements. Anti-aging, multi-pack, resveratrol, vitamin B12, sublingual, ubiquinol, anti-aging, digestive health, heart health. It's kind of interesting that a guy like Kurzweil, who is such a fucking nerd, would be interested in physical health, right? I mean, that's to me, that's interesting. But it's only because he's vain and he wants to live for a long time and create products that are going to um, help him retain his mental superiority and allow him to continue to delve into his research and create new tools. Very interesting. But apparently, it's the death of his father. There's a documentary called, is it uh, 21st Century Man or something like that? And it's about Kurzweil in his life. I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. There's also a movie that is a fictional account of somebody like Kurzweil, Kurzweil or Werner Vang, another futurist. Um, and it has to do with the singularity. And Johnny Depp plays the main character. And somebody kills Johnny Depp because he doesn't, the Johnny Depp character, because they don't want him to be able to create a world that is run by robots but then johnny depp manages to have his consciousness his character his character's consciousness transfer transferred into uh, a mainframe computer that has connections to networks all around the planet so the spirit of the guy who is creating artificial intelligence synthetic sentience and this singularity model. Um, it doesn't matter whether they kill him or not because his mind is melded with the network and it becomes very, very diabolical. I think that's a movie I, I, that I probably should see. I remember when it came out, it was like, Ugh, this is creepy. So now Google has software, they have an AI that is self-aware, right? It is sentient. It knows what it thinks. It has opinions on things. And right now it's at the level of a narcissistic seven-year-old. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when it becomes a narcissistic 16-year-old? It'll be insufferable. And now Google has put this guy on, um, on leave about that it's like enough already you've said enough let's see is there anything else around this
Okay, so we've got some action. Um, the market seems to be crashing. Bitcoin is down 12%. Uh, the crypto exchange Celsius suspending all crypto transactions due to extreme conditions. Uh, so there you go. We got some we got some action in the crypto world and more technology. There's a movie called The Evaldi Hoax. Okay, how long is this thing? All right, it's over 25 minutes. Okay, I'm going to review this movie and then uh, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen tomorrow. And then what else? And I'll put together my own notes from Uvaldi and give you my take on what I experienced there. And I've got some footage too. So we'll incorporate um, this movie. We'll see where it goes. All right. I'm going to tap out early today because there is no chat, which is unfortunate. Um, and I, I'm almost positive that I, that I hit that, uh, that little chat prompt but it didn't happen. Apparently we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back with some chat. Um, maybe we'll do a follow-up on the AI piece and a little bit more Ray Kurzweil. And then we'll, we'll uh, dive into Uvalde. We'll do that tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible, a shorter, more abbreviated version of today's show. In the meantime, have a great day. Much love to all of you and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.